Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Tellage Talks. And from the jump, I just want to say thoughts and prayers to everybody dealing with the coronavirus and all that it entails. It's affecting every aspect of our lives, sports, anything in communication, the restaurant industry, entertainment, you name it. It is far-reaching, and again, thoughts and prayers to each and everybody that is out there dealing with it in their own unique and special way. And in some ways, our guest today kind of dovetails into the whole coronavirus situation. We're not going to talk about it that much, but he was witness to one of the more bizarre events in the sports calendar just on Thursday at Madison Square Garden in New York City. He's former St. Ignatius Wildcat broadcaster John Fanta, who went to Seton Hall, who works for Fox Sports, has been a play-by-play announcer and studio host and a jack-of-all-trades in broadcasting, is really starting to make a big name for himself in the business. He's very ambitious and very, very talented. Well, he was at MSG on Thursday, and when we sat down for a short little interview as he's come home, as you know, everybody's kind of been curtailed in their sporting world uh, for the time being because of the virus. Well, we sat down and chatted what happened on Thursday when one of the games at the Big East Tournament was stopped halfway through it. We talked about that, how he got his start in broadcasting, and a side note to young aspiring broadcasters. This is something you will want to listen to because he has made the most out of opportunities that other people might have looked at and said, "Eh, I'm not going to tackle that. If you listen to the interview, you'll know what I'm referring to. John Fanta, St. Ignatius product and broadcaster on Fox Sports of College Sports right here on Tellage Talks. John, you've had a really exciting broadcasting career, and you're such a young talent. What has that been like for you? It's been rewarding because when you grow up on the west side of Cleveland and you grow up with Jimmy Donovan on the Browns, Tom Hamilton on the Indians, Joe Tate on the Cavs, and then passing it to John Michael, uh, you on sports and Jimmy at Channel 3 and and everybody else, you grow around people that inspire you because sports is life. In Cleveland and I just remember watching all you guys growing up and thinking this would be so cool if I could do it now you know this uh, being in the industry it's not just that easy this would be so cool if I could do it okay let's do it Uh, to go to St. Ignatius High School where they had a broadcasting network and to be able to just get reps and have a blank canvas. It's funny you said reps. You use the sports term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reps meaning repetitions, yeah, meaning course. games and Absolutely. events. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, which, as we're talking right now, those games and events for the time being, uh, I think about those kids at St. Ignatius or college kids that call a lot of their games on campus, and it, 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 kind of, it breaks my heart in a lot of ways in the moment. Uh, but to go from St. Ignatius and then I wanted to go to the New York, New Jersey area. Why is that? I thought that there could be opportunity okay. there. And I, I thought that between connections that, that it could offer a, a chance to to go beyond the horizon of Cleveland. And I, I thought if there's a time for me to go away from my hometown, as much as I love it, this was the time. While I'm still young, and if there's a college opportunity there, it, it, it made sense in a lot of ways. And, and 
looking at the college landscape in terms of sports, Cleveland isn't exactly a, a college town in terms of college sports. We have Cleveland right. State, but in terms of major, you know, power conference, we've got Ohio State down in sure, Columbus. You're, you're but two hours away from Columbus. Yeah. Exactly. So looking at the scene and looking at journalism programs that fit, I looked at Fordham, I looked at Syracuse, St. Bonaventure even, Mark Zinni, I think yeah. of him. Uh, but when it all came down to it, I thought that Seton Hall was just the right fit and uh, I took a couple visits there, and there was just something about the people there, and there was something about being in the Big East Conference of them having the opportunity to potentially have success, to be at Madison Square Garden calling games, which is where the Big East Tournament is held every year, has been for the last 38 years. And, and that's been the journey that's been uh, so great is to then now be with Fox Sports uh, nationally doing college basketball as well as the Big East. It's really cool. You've made some great strides, so that's that's awesome to see a, a young talent moving moving forward. And I think we can talk a little bit about you know about your career, how that's gone, the people you've yeah. worked with. Uh, but one of the two reasons I wanted to pop you in here on the podcast is the immediacy, immediacy of being in New York at the Garden on Thursday when the uh, game was called basically at halftime yeah. and everything was hitting the fan with the coronavirus all over North, uh, North America with uh, the MAC tournament closing up shop you know, after the noon hour. And so how surreal was that, uh, just dealing with that as a media member, someone who's covering the sport on a day-to-day basis it was 11:48 a.m <laughs> and the computer pops up with the big tens canceling their tournament the pac-12 canceling their tournament the mac is canceling their tournament and you're sitting there thinking to yourself are we going to play these games because the players are warming up the bands are playing <laughs> the cheerleaders are out there doing their thing pre-game script is going on and you get out to the court and you can sense with the officials leading up to tip-off that they were made aware that other things were getting canceled, that they were even uncertain, should we throw the ball up here? But yeah. as a media member, you're sitting there thinking, covering basketball right now almost seems wrong because of where we're at for the safety and the health of people. So it was one of those things where we have a game now going on, John, but I'm looking to see what the latest is on coronavirus. It was surreal. And so it, it gets to the point where they actually tip off. They, yep. they throw they the ball off. up, and they're playing basketball. And you're wondering what's going to go on, and I'm sure a lot of things were happening behind the scenes. Yes. And Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman spoke to the media after this happened, after the St. John's and Creighton game had been called at the half. Uh, just to clarify, two Big East tournament games have been played the night before, like the Big Ten tournament, uh, no in fans. front of in front of fans. In, oh, that's right. Yeah, so they Thursday played. Thursday was supposed to be the day. With limited restrictions. Limited re- yeah. with, with restrictions on who could see this. Correct. Okay. So Wednesday night, they did play in front of fans. Uh, but Thursday, that, that noon game between St. John's and Creighton gets called at, at halftime, and Val Ackerman, the Big East commissioner, speaks to the media. And so... She explained it. She explained that during those moments in the first half that, and this is an interesting lesson on college sports, I think that we could talk about the structure and whatnot, but this is how it's structured at the moment. She She has to get approval for a decision from her 10 presidents at the schools. Well, you think about it, John, St. John's and Creighton are playing. Their presidents are, are watching the game that's being played. So there's two that are kind of unavailable. Right, but the point, the, and she's got to get them and, and does get them. That process has to go through, you know, let's make sure that we're doing the right things because 
a commissioner, unlike an Adam Silver, who can make sure he's throwing the hammer down, in the NCAA, Mark Emmert has to go through a board of governors to come to a decision. He can't just say, we're doing this. And as a commissioner of a conference, you've got to go through the proper channels to then if you're going to make the decision, at the end of the day, a conference is serving its 10 schools. So she was meeting with them in a back room. They get to a point where they're going to call the game. But in 2020, where we're talking about times have never been more sensitive. And for student athletes, mental health is real. I think that the, the conference, without a true manual on this, was in a position where the game is tipped off. They had been having a separate meeting before the noon tip-off and got back from that. There's logistics here that are involved. They make that decision and come to the decision they're going to stop the game at the half and not have this dramatic Madison Square Garden security moment of get off the floor, everybody run, and try to rattle people even more than they already were going to at the half. Which kind of happened the other night. Uh, with Utah in in the Thunder, exactly. it's kind of like there's a game. Now there's no game. What's going on? How come there's no game? What are we doing here? I think people probably in New York had half of an idea of where this was headed. Yes. And they're probably somewhere scratching their heads, John. Like, why is this game tipped off in the first place? And then then maybe this is the pulling the plug moment. Yes. And I think that the the main thing here to take away was had Rudy Gobert not gone through what he went through on Wednesday night and tested positive for coronavirus, I think we might still be playing games right now. That raised awareness mm-hmm. to a level that we hadn't seen before because one of uh, well, one of the, the big timers, a professional athlete, had been jeopardized. And we're, we're not doctors, uh, but we are involved in this and, and know how, how much sporting events mean to not only sports but society. But at the same, by the same token, the, the health and the safety of those athletes and coaches was to be the priority of, yeah. of everybody and the fans who were going to be in the building. And I, on an aside, I was talking to players yesterday morning. Hour by hour, their concern was growing over even playing the game. Sure. I they mean, didn't want to play. You're looking at you got you know you got a basketball. Everybody's handling a ball. Everybody's brushing up against one another. You have no idea who's been where, what's touched what. Just there, there's so much misinformation, disinformation out there right now, even as we're speaking. Yeah. And it's going to, in the days and weeks to come, get clarified more and more. But at this point in time, uh, you know, being conservative in, in kind of we have to give. A, Governor DeWine, a lot of pats on the back on how proactive he was, and he really was the guy on a national level, yes. states-wise, who said this is the way it's got to be, Small, uh, any gatherings, no fans. He set the tone, and everybody else kind of followed suit. I was walking through Penn Station on Wednesday afternoon, early afternoon, grabbing a coffee, and I looked to the right, and the New York Post name page is... Uh, fan restrictions handed out by Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. And being in New York City, I thought that said it all about Governor DeWine's impact, Mm -hmm. that he's on the front page of the New York Post that afternoon. So where do you think this thing's going, John? Uh, Obviously, the the March Madness is, is, you know, nice knowing you. Right. We didn't even get to know you, but, uh, you know, just the sports landscape and all all the, the changes that are going on. Well, you think about the seniors, who don't get to write their final chapter, who don't get to walk off the floor a final time, whether they're winning or losing. Yeah. And you think about just the, the student athletes this spring. 
This goes beyond basketball and baseball and softball and lacrosse that don't get a chance to write many chapters that they still had to write. They don't get a chance to have a senior night. And I'm sure that these programs will figure something out to honor them. But where are we going? We're in uncharted waters. Yeah. We're in uncharted waters for not only the student athletes and the coaches. How about the people that work at these events? How about the people whose livelihood is to work for these conferences or to work for these uh, student athletes and serve them in whatever way they do? This is sad in so many ways. Uh, you understand yeah. that it's the priority of the health and safety of people. Sure. But those two points can, can both be true at the same time, that yeah. it's unfortunate and that you understand why we're doing it. I think my hope would be, can we at some point in the next two or three weeks uh, achieve something with this virus in terms of limiting it and finding a true definition of it? And then could we meet halfway? I'm not saying we're playing an NCAA tournament. It's, I think it's impossible based on yeah. the calendar. But I'd like to think that there's some sort of platform or something that could allow sports that finish up at the end of May or in June allow them to at least play something out if we're back to normal times and could have an April where we could get to that midway point and say where we have a month and a half of some sort of competition. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the Big Ten today came out with a statement. They did. They came out with a statement this afternoon saying that they're going to call everything off until a certain date. It's, it's yeah. in April. After yesterday saying that the rest of the year was canceled. So that, that signals to me they that we could read, we, they pulled back a little. And I think right now the hysteria of it is, is trumping everything. And we need to get in a position where finding out information and being aware and doing what you can do, wash your hands, do what you can do to avoid this, can allow us to turn a page. And when that first sporting event does come back, uh, what, what this is a lesson on is... You don't know how good you have it until it's gone. Yeah. Good way to put it. I appreciate that. All right, let's uh, speak into turning pages. Let's turn the pages back since we've kind of talked about the current situation uh, and we're all unsure as to where it's going. But still, it was unprecedented, as you mentioned, really wacky there at MSG uh, on, on Thursday. Just, just wild for you to experience that. And you've experienced a lot in just a few short years. Take me back to when you got to Seton Hall and how you – found your way on the air in a very quick period of time. It's all about opportunities yeah. and all about starting to make some of those connections. So when I got through the doors of Seton Hall University, I went to the student radio station, WSOU. I went to the Satoni in the student newspaper and went to the athletic department as well, which had their own online digital network that did streaming of all their home athletic events. Which you were very familiar doing at St. Ignatius. Exactly. So I had been very familiar to doing play-by-play -play for those events, knowing how a stream worked just in terms of the ebbs and flows at that point in 2013. We're talking two cameras, maybe three cameras. Now these schools have four, five, six cameras. It's amazing. And, and, and the growth of it's exciting. But had gone to some of those student media outlets, and they said, hey, you have to go through some training. You have to learn your way from some of our upperclassmen, then you'll get reps. Well, I went to the athletic streaming site and they said we're just getting off the ground if you could run a camera you know that'd be great so i'm running a camera i'm doing doing camera operation of a, a high home camera for soccer uh, high home meaning i'm getting the whole field yeah <laughs> uh so i end up we get we get about two weeks into the soccer season and a game and for a soccer game to have this happen is is fate a women's soccer game got uh, postponed today Due to lightning it was so bad that they had to postpone it a day okay well the next day comes 
the streaming service had talent typically come in, those talent couldn't make it. The alternative plan was, well, we'll plug into the radio feed, the student radio feed, the WSU, and play that over the game. Well, the student radio station didn't have the guys to to do the game that day. It got postponed today. They had another assignment with another team. So now that leaves an opening. There you are. And there I am on camera, and up comes the producer and, and the boss of the athletic communications office, the head of the department. He says, look, I haven't watched much of your stuff. I watched some Ignatius football. He goes, this is soccer. I didn't do Ignatius soccer when I was, was at the school. He goes, can you do the game for us? We were five minutes to kick. And I just said, yes. Little did I know that that yes would result in hundreds upon hundreds of open doors from there on out. See, people have no idea what one little tiny decision or little, here's the fork in the road. Do you say, eh, I really don't know soccer that well. You know, St. Ignatius is the best soccer program anywhere. And yet, you know, I was doing football exclusively. Maybe you can find another guy. No, you you have the guts and, you know, uh, the the fortitude and, and the savoir faire to say, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. I like that. And, and, I, and I would encourage anybody that's, that's in a position that's, that's young, that's looking to get into this, just say yes. <laughs> no matter what, just try to get involved in whatever way you can. You might think in the moment, why am I doing this? Why am I driving 45 minutes to get to a game and be a, a technician or be somebody who's helping out with a truck? Cultivating those roles and those relationships has unlimited mileage if you do it the right way right and so doing that soccer game i had wrapped up the game and i called a 110 minute scoreless draw (laughs) (laughs) but it was on video and you know what i talked about a bunch of storylines with the team i was looking through player bios i was talking about other updates that that were going on with seton hall athletics in the big east and out of that they said when can you be back and then they said can you start doing interviews for us wow just kept saying yes and one thing led to another and that's, that's what led me to traveling over half the country with Seton Hall sports teams and covering Big East championships, NCAA tournaments. And you also have to be somewhere if you're covering a story where you start to get noticed. And I was very, very lucky to cover Seton Hall's first Big East championship since 1993. Timing is everything on that type of stuff. When they won it in 2016. And then the women's program going to back-to-back NCAA tournaments, the men's program going to what was supposed to be five straight this year. But... Out of that came exposure and came opportunities to really get looked at. And you did. And, and yes. each time you had a chance to, to get out there and get on the air. And you build up more and more context. People like Jay Wright, Gus yes. Johnson. How, how did you cultivate those and how have they helped you along the way? They've helped so much. And that's what I could say about the Big East Conference is you've got coaches and players and people that work with these teams that are, that are big time, that are really good to you. Really good people. You know, I, I think about um, coming up in college and how did I cultivate it? By going up to those people sometimes and shaking their hands. You know, Gus Johnson, Bill Raftery, just saying, hey, just say, hey, I'm John Fanta. I'm a student at Seton Hall University. You know, I, I love your work. Just wanted to say hi. I think one thing that people do. Get your face out there. Get, the, get your face out there without trying to be over aggressive. Yeah. Because if you keep working those games, you're going to see those people they'll along see the way. You. Yeah. And eventually they'll start asking about you if they see you enough. I think sometimes people uh, that are in a college position, they'll walk up to that person, and you've probably had this, 
hey, let me give you my reel. Let me give you my stuff and, and take a look at it right now. Yeah. Sorry, dude. I've, I've got a few other things I'm doing right now. I, right. I can't do I'd love to help you out. Right. But, you know, and let, chan- let's just chat. And chances are, John, and I think you could say this, you're going to help the person that you've cultivated that relationship with more than that person you're meeting for the first time that says, let me give you my stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So in college, when, when I started at Seton Hall, um, on men's basketball game days, I was laying photo cards down on the floor. I would lay credential cards down for the photographers on the baseline. Okay. With tape and, yep, and land down. This, this outlet's going to shoot from here. Yep. Uh, Sports Illustrated over there. Yep. New York Times, whatever. And I would lay down cards at the, in press row. But I was always one of the first people there because I had to get that done before the media arrived. But I was an assistant with the office, and Gus Johnson would come walking in, Tim Brando. Who's they'd done, all see you. And they'd all see me, and eventually you start seeing people game after game. Gary Cohen's the radio voice of Seton Hall. He's also the TV voice of the New York Mets. So you end up interacting with those people every game, and out of that comes a, a friendship. And, and that's really how things started to grow. And when those people respect you, and the coaches have built a respect for them, then the coaches start respecting who you are. So it was a matter of just putting the head down, staying humble, doing some of the dirty work, but knowing in that that you're going to have access to people that others may not have. True. And talking with those people. And then just I think my advice to people that are trying to get into this would be, you know, don't try to burn any bridge or don't try to do something that could jeopardize yourself in college. Uh, I'm going to share a story that that you helped me with, and I think it's important. So when Twitter first started, a lot of people were tweeting things and and not uh, crediting any source with that. Correct, yes. I tweeted something when I was in my sophomore year of high school. I think the Browns had made a decision. And I think you had messaged me right after and say, hey, make sure that you... It was probably a private message, too, because I didn't want to call you out in front of people. I think that's important. It is It is important. I would encourage anybody sure. to... But I, I think that it's. it was in a position where, you know, I had not directly attributed, but I'm in high school. Sure. High school and college is the time to make mistakes and try to get better. Yep. And because this was so new, you had said, you know, watch, watch how you attribute. Well, that was the best lesson ever because... That, that was something where you take it, you say you're not going to do that again, and you're better off because of it. True. So that was something else that in college that, that I, I try to do. Be open to criticism. Yep. And if you do that, people are going to build respect for you because that's the time for you to take that criticism and work on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's worked out well f- for you. As you c- continue to do games, more and more games, John, and got more and more experience, more more and more exposure... Do you think in a short period of time you've changed, the, not necessarily changed your style, how has your style uh, morphed? How is it, you know, is, is it been a difficult process for you to just start off raw and then kind of get more and more seasoned? Uh, how has how that kind of gone for you? Well, I, I think that one thing that won't waver is the passion that I've always had and that I attribute to the love for Cleveland sports growing up. But I, I think that you work on things. You have talent coaches. You send your tape to people that you've built those relationships with, and you tell them to be candid with you. Please, yeah. Work on your voice. Try to work on that. Work on being conversational. And that's something that I, I try to hold myself to. I think that's the biggest area from raw to, to where I am now. Doing a lot of games that are on TV, when somebody lays the ball in, when Kevin Love lays the ball in, you could certainly choose to emphasize that. But if I'm in the middle of a conversation with my analyst, 
that conversation is what we want the viewer to be able to almost uh, eavesdrop on. So when I do a game, I try to say to myself, this is a conversation. Your analyst is a star. Why? They played. They can lend perspective that nobody else can. And so when I do a game play-by-play for Fox College Hoops, I do men's and women's college basketball, I try to say to myself, how can I build up my analysts in the biggest way? I've got my notes. I've got my boards. But as opposed to somebody hitting a basket in the first half and me saying they averaged 12 points per game, why not say coach told us before the game that he needed to be an X factor for this team? What do you think makes him an X factor? Or what is it about his skill set that could lead to that? That's where being conversational, that's the biggest area I've tried to grow in. And if I'm interviewing somebody or doing a report, it's engaging with either the viewer or that coach or player. So instead of just being a play-by-play guy, which I thought in high school and college, I'm thinking play-by-play, play-by-play. When you're doing it visually, the biggest area I've tried to grow with is making sure that to our viewers, sounds like we're having a good time. We're giving them information, but we're doing it in a way that's unique. Unique, unique has got to. It's got to be done that way. It has to be done that way. If you're just reciting stats and you're just, you know, throwing stuff out, and it's just going to go over most people, most individuals' heads. Yeah. But if you make it more conversational, you have a unique Gus Johnson uniqueness. Let, let's talk about Gus, the 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 tremendous guy that he is. I remember seeing him when I was doing Cavs pregame 20, 25 years ago. He would. Always be gracious, very cool. So now you've got Gus, who's got one of the greatest signature, what's the word I'm looking for, just greatest signature uh, uh, styles that there is in sports. And you're bumping bumping up with him every so often and building a rapport. But you're still, through the while, you still got to be you, got to be John Payne. You still have to be you. You know, people people sometimes walk up to me and say, you're the next Jim Nance, you're the next Al Michaels. And I try to say those guys are in a class of their own. Yeah. You know, you just got to try to be in the best version of yourself. And I mean that. It sounds cheesy in the moment when we when we say that, but there's only one John Telich. There's only one John Fanta. Uh, there's only one Jimmy Donovan. There only ever will be one. Right. And he even said there, when he took over the Browns job, he's like, there will only be uh, one Casey Coleman. Yeah. You know, that you, you can't step on the air and try to be somebody that you're not. Correct. So... I think you take things that those guys do, but you take some of the techniques, you take some of the, the things that they do and say to yourself, okay, this is something I love. How can I do it the way that I'd like to do it or my way in terms of not copying somebody else? I think sometimes there's there's shows out there. Uh, between us, I've actually heard exchanges between broadcasters in our industry who sometimes say, hey, you know, I noticed you're trying to be like me. You know, or I know, and maybe even if they're not, the the point stands of you, you got to keep it to the best version of yourself. You have to keep it original. You do. You can have teeny bits and pieces of others or influences yep. per se, but the end product's got to be John Fanta. It's got to be you, unique you, and that's what Gus Johnson is. He's probably little pieces, parts of other people, but when you're listening to a game, you know it's John, it's Gus yes. that's doing that game. You know it's Raft when he's. Yeah opining on a play or coming up with a, a, a phrase that everybody just, wow, what did yep. he just say? Yeah. That's the cool part. And Bill Raftery, so many times people have asked him, where'd you get that phrase from? He goes, it popped in my head. 
chances are if you have something rehearsed or written down, it's not going to come off the same way as when it pops in your head. And that's what Gus and Bill do better than anybody. And that's what we'll miss about this time of year in March where we don't have a March Madness this year. Those guys bring such a level of authenticity. Yeah, I'm going to miss that. To the big dance. And that is the big dance. In terms of sporting events, what makes it so good? Because when you watch a game, you don't have to have a rooting interest to watch it. It's the pageantry, the authenticity of it, and the voices that cover it have always done such a great job of capturing the moment while also coming off unrehearsed. And that's exactly what makes March Madness so great, and that's what I'll miss. But Gus and Bill have been so inspiring to me because they've always been great people off the air to me. And they call the game with this excitement that says every game to them is like their Super Bowl. Yeah. And that, to me, is so special in a world where we have live events galore yeah. every day. Yeah, and I think that's a great thing that you said, too, John, the fact that every game they do, they make it special, they make it unique. Because too often times, and, and I, I can recall many years ago doing, late, let's say, the late news. I mean, super late because uh, of a football game that was on or a World Series game and it's now 1.30, 1.15 in the morning. You're doing, you're doing the news, you're anchoring the news, you're anchoring the sports, and you have to give it the Joe DiMaggio effect. Like that little kid that came to see me today, may, this may be the only time he's ever seen Joe DiMaggio play baseball in person. Or this person who's tuning in in South Euclid yep. has never seen Fox 8 News before, but they just so happens whatever the, the 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 world spun in a certain direction and there they are there's the tv and they're looking at it and if you just mail it in or if you just go yeah nobody's watching now what's the big deal let's all go home soon i think you're you're not only shorting yourself you're shorting the people that are home and that's what you're you've learned you've learned that from raft you learn it from gus johnson from these greats that do the game jim nance that you know uh Every game is unique. It's special. It's cool. Yes. And and high school games, my good buddy Tim Alcorn, voice of the (sighs) Cleveland Cavaliers, he did so many games through the course of his career in tiny little gyms all over Northeast Ohio for high school. And now here he is. He's doing the Cleveland Cavalier games. He's giving the same great effort to every Cavs broadcast that he does that he did for uh, Elyria Catholics on their home floor. And that's how we have to treat it. Because for those fans, those coaches and players that are within the game, it's their biggest game. It's their Super Bowl. It's their Cavaliers finals game in June Yeah. when they're in a, a state playoff game. And you have to treat it as such because, John, if you don't treat it as such, how do you expect to get elevated to that game that you that is your dream to call? Yeah. For Tim Alcorn, it was Cavaliers basketball. If he didn't do the high school sports at the highest of qualities, then when he shows the tape to the Cavaliers and and their radio partners, how does he expect to get that job? So for me, I do a large amount of women's basketball. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what do you love about the game, the women's basketball game? There's got to be a lot of elements to doing games of women's basketball that are really appealing. There's a personality factor that you don't always get. Uh, been doing a lot of women's sports, but in women's basketball, there's a swagger uh, that comes off. Cool. They play quarters, and the games go about an hour 40, and I think that's something that the men's game should look at because the games go quicker. We have less TV timeouts. The window just fits better, and the pace seems to quicken as a result of playing quarters. So with the women's game, 
we have some amazing players in the way that it's elevated. This year, Sabrina Ionescu at Oregon. Oh, my Lord. She's had a season unlike any player we've ever seen. Uh, it's it's remarkable. We've seen, for a while, the knock on the women's game was it's UConn and everybody else. That no longer can be said. We've seen a lot of schools catch up. Oregon, Stanford, South Carolina, what Don Staley's done. Notre Dame's had an off year, but they've been there. So in the women's game, we, we get that swagger. We've only seen the pace increase, and you feel like the game still has room to grow, which is the most exciting part about doing women's basketball. That's really cool. How about for her to do that on 224, to achieve that milestone that had never been done in women's basketball in the history of the game, for her to do it on 224 in honor of Kobe? Just ridiculous. Ridiculous. There, there are moments here in the last month uh, that are unfortunate and, and certainly sad, but what Sabrina Ionescu did on 224, achieving... Uh, college basketball history, it makes you think to yourself, this can't just be a coincidence that that there's a higher power or there's there's something. It makes you think that there's something else going on here, John. And I think of where we are right now in the sports landscape of not having events for the next two to four weeks, you know, how can we make the best of this? Well, think of all the memories you have. Think of all the good times you had this season. Or think of all the people that have helped you get to where you're at. Or the coaches and players that meant a lot to you in your season of coverage. Interact with them. Try to say hi to them. And remember the feeling of losing this. And think to yourself how special it is when you're in that next game. Or you're calling that next big moment. Or Gus Johnson's calling that game-winning shot. And, and you watch Gus and you love when he calls that. And you're going to miss that for the next couple weeks. It, it's going to make us all maybe relish the great things we have to cover, whether it's a Baldwin-Wallace baseball game or a Cleveland Browns game-winning field goal, sports is typically our resort. That resort all of a sudden is gone, and when it does come back, I know it's going to come back stronger than ever. Yeah. Well said. No coincidence you're doing well because you've gone out and you've uh, Thank you. you've grabbed the, the bull by the horns, the proverbial bull by the horns, and I'm proud of you for that. It, it takes a, a special person to know what they want and then to go after it, and that's what you're doing. So... Tremendous kudos to you. Thanks for having me. Grew up with you. Love Friday Night Touchdown. Still Pitch doing it, snippets, baby. And it's, a, it's amazing that that still is rolling strong because it's the best Friday Night High School sports show that you could ask for. And, and John, you, you just, you've always done great stuff. Congratulations on 40 years. Thanks for always being there. You bet, my man. Thank you very much to John Fanta for stopping by and touching base about how things have gone in his very young and outstanding career. I'm expecting very, very big things from the former St. Ignatius Wildcat. So good luck to you, John, and best wishes as you move forward. And to you out there, be safe, hug your loved ones, and we're all going to get through this thing. I guarantee it. We'll talk to you the next time right here on Tellich Talks.